Hello and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today I'm pleased to welcome Bob Latino. Robert Latino is the CEO of Reliability Center, which is a 46-year-old reliability consulting firm specializing in improving equipment, process, and human reliability. Bob is an internationally recognized author, trainer, software developer, and practitioner of best practices in the field of reliability engineering with a specialty in root cause analysis. He's facilitated RCA and FMEA analyses with his clients around the world for over 33 years, and he's taught more than 10,000 students in the PROACT methodology. Bob is the author or co-author of five books related to reliability, FMEA, human error reduction, and RCA. The fifth edition of Root Cause Analysis, Improving Performance for Bottom Line Results, is now available from CRC Press. Bob Latino, it's a great honor. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. It's quite an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Bob, you've written a lot on LinkedIn, a lot of your articles. Again, we'll provide a link to some of those articles to our listeners in the show notes. But in one of your LinkedIn articles from 2017, you say that we shouldn't assume there's a direct correlation between safety and reliability. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, and I want to uh, full disclosure here. I'm not going to pose myself as a, as a safety expert, but I was what, what uh, hooked me into that topic was a book I was reading by uh, Dr. Nancy Levison. It was uh, entitled The Engineering a Safer World. And it's, I guess some have referred to it as the safety Bible. And I'm going to quote right from it uh, because this is what caught my attention. Assumption one, she states, safety is increased by increasing system or component reliability. If uh, components or systems do not fail, then accidents will not occur. This assumption is one of the most pervasive in engineering and other fields. The problem is, it's not true. Safety is a system property, not a component property, and must be controlled at the system level, not the component level. And she she goes on to say, the new assumption is, high reliability is neither necessary nor sufficient for safety. So that that's what really caught my attention is because you know in the reliability world and this is that's coming out of the safety world, but uh, I play around in both worlds. But in in reliability world, uh, that's not an uh, an assumption many would agree with. I, I that, agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting because after I uh, wrote a paper after this, the one that you're referring to, and I presented it at one of the SMRP symposiums. And, and and that's that's the groups that I'm more comfortable with. And uh, they almost <laughs> booed me out of the room by saying, yeah, where are you getting this kind of stuff? And, uh, you know, how, how could anybody say that? What kind of uh, credibility could you have? And I'm thinking, you know, in the safety world, this is uh, you know, these are really high level researchers, uh, extremely intelligent people. So, you know, what would make them think differently? So, that, so that's what, the, what do you think is going on here, Bob? I mean, why, why are people uh, getting so confused about this? I think it's the, getting the difference between uh, personal uh, process and personal safety, uh, because obviously through Ron uh, Moore's work and uh, Ramesh Gulati's work, that they have a lot of data that will support a correlation between, again, not causation, but a correlation between uh, higher reliability process 
and uh, the um, uh, improved safety. Whereas, you know, that doesn't mean that people can't get hurt in non-process areas, you know, where, where, there, where there wasn't a process incident that caused the, the injury. But certainly when you have st- steady state operations, uh, there's, a, there's enough data out there in the public domain that would support the fact that that uh, improves safety as a, uh, uh, as a byproduct of that. So, uh, I, you know, from their standpoint, I can't, I can't say, you know, I'm not in their position, but uh, from, if you're separating the two, I can see where people uh, don't get hurt, I mean, get hurt from non-process areas, and that would affect your safety rate. But I think that most injuries uh, that would occur would, would come from the operational side. And if, the, if you were a higher reliability organization, our data shows that you are safer. So you think they're suggesting that there is possible that a system could be reliable and yet inherently unsafe? Is, is, is that possible? Well, that's certainly what you take away from the uh, contrasting the assumption one of saying that what we believe is, is not true. And the new assumption that high reliability is neither uh, necessary nor sufficient for safety. They're saying that there is no correlation. Right. And, and, uh, and I, I just the, the, the data that's out there in the public domain, I just don't understand uh, how people of that caliber and that pedigree uh, would, would disagree with it. But there's, there's got to be something that I'm not seeing. It's kind of a dangerous conclusion, it seems to me. It, it it is. I mean, from from then, you know, we, we look through it through a reliability prism, and it seems dangerous to us because it, you know you, you get a this false sense of security, and you say, "Well, drop your guard because it doesn't matter." And and right. I just I'm, I'm not of that mind. You know, Bob, there there's also been a debate within our community about what some people call zero metrics. Uh, some people talk about zero harm. Can you help our listeners understand the controversy here? Why are why are some people resisting this idea of zero metrics? Well, this is going to come from the same the same group in, in the safety uh, world, and and uh, I, I call them it's the progressive safety organizations and the uh, the lead advocates, and it's mainly uh, uh, quite well known, well respected uh, researchers and academics, uh, and you know I, I deal in the. Uh, Healthcare space as well, and I know in the healthcare space, especially the Joint Commission, uh, which uh, doles out the Medicare and Medicaid monies to all the hospitals in the U.S., they, you know their their primary uh, marketing campaign is a, is about zero harm and the strive for zero harm. The progressive safety organizations uh, have, a, have an issue with that, and and I can't say that I fully disagree with it. Is that once you set a, they're 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 going to say that when you set zero, that it's unrealistic and it's unattainable. So therefore, right. pe- people don't strive to do to meet metrics that are unattainable. Um, and then they're going to say, you know, from a zero standpoint, that it's a. Um, I'm trying to think of the uh, that it's that it becomes manipulated. That once once you set once you set a zero number that then you can uh, appease the powers that be that made that goal, and then that will cause underreporting. Interesting. And I, I, I agree with that because, uh, it, you know, when, when you start to – it's just a number, and then you start uh, putting performance incentives around making that number. Right. Then people will do what they have to do to make that number, 
And obviously, reporting more uh, in, into that type of uh, safety system would uh, detract from the number, so people would just not report. Got it. Now, I, I'm I'm of the mind that there's a middle ground with that because you know, say say if you if you're not shooting for zero, I'm I'm of the mind that you can aspire to zero, not commit to zero. Yeah. And that uh, the reason I say that is. I use this in the presentations to say, you know, if I have two hospitals in the same community and one of them's uh, marketing campaign is based around zero harm and the other one is towards a tolerance level of well, we're only going to harm, uh, you know, or, or kill five people a year, which hospital am I going to? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that when you have a when you put a tolerance on there, you know, th- that, that's saying that I'm shooting for mediocrity. Yeah. As opposed to, I know that I'll never get to zero, but that's, that doesn't mean that we can't desire or strive to get to zero. And I, I just don't understand why that, that's a bad thing. You know, Bob, this reminds me of the Six Sigma movement. I mean, for most organizations, Six Sigma is a crazy you know, goal. It's, it's never going to be achievable, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't work in that direction. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't negate the fact that uh, when people do put certain metrics out there, that they can all be manipulated. And uh, and, and, I, and I, I take that to heart. Um, and that's why I'm saying you shouldn't tie performance uh, me- measurements or incentives to those types of things, because then people are going to get paid more for manipulating a number. Yeah, I agree. Show me how I measured and that's how I'll behave. There you go. Bob, I want to shift gears on you a little bit and talk about uh, some of your recent writing about root cause analysis. Uh, You published a paper not too long ago asking the question, do learning teams make RCA obsolete? Uh, How did you end up answering that question? Well, uh, another uh, the origin of this also comes from this progressive safety movement. And it's primarily led by two very well-respected researchers, um, and academics, uh, Dr. Sidney Decker and Dr. Todd Conklin. And, uh, you know, before I started going to these human performance conferences, I had never heard of the term uh, learning teams. Mm. And uh, when I was at this one particular conference, they, uh, Dr. Decker and Dr. Conklin had uh, stated outright that uh, learning teams made RCA obsolete. Hmm. And uh, that they they also referred to RCA as old school. Wow! And I said, "Well, I says that, that that's uh, that's shocking, <laughs> considering that one third of the audience was in the root cause business." <laughs> so you know, it makes you wonder uh, when you have such respected people. So you know, what what is what, what am I missing here that such intellectual people uh, would make a statement of that, that despite the uh, the public domain information to the contrary. Uh, and you know, le- learning teams. I, I'm not a learning team person, and I tell you, the uh, of the people that I have talked to that uh, d- are in the learning team business, uh, I can't find a lot of continuity between how they they apply it. But I know it's it's more a um, in, in a brainstorming type of environment where they don't focus on the failure, uh, but they they focus on you know. Um, on how the how the day started, and and they're looking from a system standpoint about things that uh, prevent people from uh, executing their jobs uh, in an acceptable manner. Right, uh, and you know it could be accomplished in a couple of days. 
well, you know, I've been in the RCA business a long time. Uh, to and you know, I, I know the realities of conducting RCAs, and a, a lot of it, most of it, is based on evidence. Sure. And that's that. That's what takes the most time in an RCA, in a, in a legitimate RCA, in an effective RCA, is uh, actually going out there and collecting evidence to back up what you say, and then uh, and then driving past the decision maker. And understanding the reasoning of why someone in a uh, in the position they were in on that day felt it was the right thing to do. So if you delve deeper into that understanding, you're going to uncover all these uh, organizational system problems that contributed to their thought process, to their reasoning process. So you know, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with the concept of a learning team. I just don't, I don't think that it's new. I think that uh, anybody, uh, any old salt in the or veteran in the RCA business, uh, knows that it's a it's a shallow cause analysis if you're stopping at the physics of the failure and replacing parts. Uh, if you're not delving into the human and the systems aspects, then you're not doing an RCA in, in our world, or at least in my world. You know, I, so, I, I I can't say that I fully understand the concept of learning teams, but. Uh, but I, I, I guess I don't understand why these two things would be mutually exclusive. I mean, shouldn't learning teams be using RCA? Well, as best I can tell is, you know, because I, I uh, the way that we do this in, in our proprietary in the uh, PROACT methodology that we uh, use is that I've always thought of the exploration into human reasoning as as a learning team exercise for our, our aspect. So we've always seen it as a part of an effective RCA. Exactly. And not and not not separating it out. Exactly. Now, you know, one thing that I can see where they're coming from is that uh, and, and I, I will from from their standpoint, if you're outside of our world and you're looking in and because I, I will give it up that. Uh, probably 80% of the time that I'm called in to help with RCA efforts, I, I even will call them sh- uh, shallow cause analysis because they are, they are the equivalent of the five whys. And, uh, you know, they're not evidence-based. They're, they're not really team-based. Uh, they, they give the perception that uh, root cause is uh, linear right. and that it has one cause. And those are all things that are not true. Right. So when people from the outside, uh, you know, want to characterize all RCA as being that, uh, you can see the basis of where they're getting it from. Mm. Yeah. But for the people who do this for a living, that, that's the farthest thing from the truth, is that you know, RCA is not linear. RCA is not one root cause. And it's, a, it's, it's evidence-based. Well, just because the tool isn't being used properly, that doesn't, that's not a good reason to criticize the tool. Right. And that, that, that's true. That's a, a true of RCM. It's uh, TPM. You know, when you take whatever acronym you want, uh, you, you know, it's just like if you your, your tools at home. You know, if you, you got some really specialized tools, but if your craftsman is just getting into the business and uh, has no idea how to use them, you, you're not going to make any masterpiece. Exactly. Exactly. So the problem isn't root cause analysis per se. It's how RCA is being applied. Well, I think this gets back to the safety perspective because I think that the safety people to think think about an RCA from the standpoint of uh, when when you have a process safety incident and somebody gets hurt in it, the the top part of that investigation is going to involve understanding the physics of what went wrong. Sure. 
And then as you drill deeper, you're going to find a decision maker. And then beneath that, you're going to find the, all the systems stuff. Right. Well, up at the, the physics, the, the top half of that, the physics part of it is dealing all with the physical sciences. And beneath the decision is all going to be dealing with the social sciences. Good point. So, so that's where the two worlds come together. And, you know, granted, engineers are about as left brain as you're going to get. And they, they thrive in the physics of the, of the failure. Right. And the social scientists are uh, very right brained in that context. And they don't want to deal that they, they wouldn't know how to deal with the physics and they don't. And these uh, what I'm learning from as, as far as I can do with the research that I've had is that these these learning teams uh, don't deal with the physics, that when uh, there is something that has a, a physical aspect to it, that that is punted to another group that will do an RCA. Interesting. You know, uh, it just kind of reminds me of yet another article that you wrote about uh, systems thinking and root cause analysis. I mean, we're really talking about a system here. There is both physics and human behavior, you know, that's required to make these systems work. Uh, We can't neglect either one, can we? No. And, and, you know, uh, when you you have to break uh, root cause is all about breaking down a system. I mean, uh, you know, you, you have you have an incident uh, that occurs, and you can't negate the uh, the facts of, of what you found at the scene. Uh, but then you have to explain everything. And uh, as you go th- down through the physics of uh, you know the, how, how can a bearing fail? You have uh, erosion, corrosion, fatigue, and overload, and thermal fatigue, mechanical fatigue, you know, whatever you drill down to, you're going to end up with uh, something that caused the, the physics, uh, that triggered the physics to occur. Sure. And then then you're going to get to the human who's going to say, well, you know, this person didn't align properly, and I can go ahead and just blame them. Right. Well, you know, a, a progressive organization, is that's not going to be the end. That's going to be the beginning, because why did we have a person who was not qualified in that position? Uh, able to do the position. Right. So, and then, you know, did they not have the proper tools? Uh, did they, did we not uh, educate them or did somebody retire and we just threw them in there? Uh, where was the, where was the management oversight that would have known that I had a person in that position who wasn't qualified to do it? So that, that's when you're talking about getting into the, the social systems and you're getting into the uh, organizational side, because all, all of those things contribute to why good people made bad decisions on that day. That's a real good point. You know, uh, as uh, reliability engineers, quality engineers, we tend to focus a lot on the mechanical engineering, the electrical engineering side of reliability. But I think often we neglect the people side of reliability. You know, and I'll give it to the uh, human performance improvement uh, community because I've been attending a lot of their uh, conferences and, and learning more about learning teams. And uh, we, 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 we will advocate, at least on our own now, is that the, a, a well-rounded RCA team would have a human performance improvement expert on it who knew the social science side because I've seen their investigative questioning when they get into, you know, the, the understanding of reasoning. And uh, there's a lot that we can learn from that because uh, we, we don't we don't explore enough the social science side. Bob, Bob we've been talking quite a bit about this uh, progressive safety movement. Uh, do you have anything else to add about the, the movement? Any uh, uh, any comment on how these folks view the world of reliability differently than uh, the rest of us do? 
Well, you know, it's a lot of it's going to go back uh, into what we've talked about earlier and saying, you know, do they, I believe that they have mischaracterized uh, RCA. I think that they have mischaracterized uh, reliability. Uh, and I, I don't understand why, given the, the all the public domain uh, information to the contrary, but certainly these two communities should be, uh, to me, they're, they're, in, they're interdependent uh, on each other's success. No question. I don't, I don't think that you can be successful with one without the other. No question. We, we absolutely have to work together. Um, you know, uh, re- a reliability failure that leads to a safety incident is what we're all trying to avoid. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and acting, you know, one doesn't replace the other. Uh, there's a, they shouldn't be silos and there shouldn't be a us or a them type of contentiousness, which in, in some circles I'm, I'm seeing that. Uh, but there should be there's a there's a there's a medium in the middle. And people have to be willing to, to go shoot for that as opposed to, you know, and oftentimes if you, you got to look at the, the, the uh, business aspects of this and there's commercialization uh, side of this. Right. Is that it's not in my commercial interest to, uh, to work together oh, wow. uh, by saying that they're complimentary. You know, from my standpoint, it, it's, it's in my business interest to work with the, with the safety side because I think that we've already incorporate that, incorporated that into our methodology, but all I'm learning is that uh, we could do that aspect of our business much better with their help. That's well said. We have to continue to talk. We, we've got to continue to talk together and work together. There's no question about that. Bob, this has been great. Thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, well, thanks for your time and I uh, appreciate the invite. That was Bob Latino, CEO of the Reliability Center. To learn more about the training programs at the Reliability Center, you should visit their website, which is www.reliability.com. We'll post the links to some of Bob's articles on LinkedIn on the show notes for this recording. This is Tim Rogers. Thanks again for joining us.